0: the world is a mysterious place. From strange encounters, grisly murders, to unexplainable disappearances, there is no shortage of the unexplained all around us, join us and let's search for answers and the truth, because we are the Mystery Canucks. By the way, this is purely a joke. Don't, uh, don't actually storm Area 51. We here at Mystery Canucks are not responsible for the decisions of the Kyles of the world. What's going on, friends? Welcome back to the show. We are the Mystery Canucks. As always, I'm your host, Matt, and I am joined by my co-host, friend, amateur cryptozoologist, Etsy-certified basket weaver, expert scuba diver aspiring rodeo clown level 7 yo-yo master michelin star employed onion cutter world renowned belly dancer possible lizard man and professional visco girl justin
1: i don't have any snarky comebacks to that this week so uh i'll just go with it thank you we have managed to find
0: his lizard man status he he has earned himself a lizard man badge of honor so we found it folks it disappeared for a week but we found it on the last episode, we looked at the freak of nature that is the Groot Slang. Hopefully that intrigued you. It, uh, it tickled your spelunking fancy. Hopefully some of you actually went and visited the glory hole and not the one in your truck stop washroom. Today, we're not going to be doing that. In honor of the raid that is supposed to be taking place... At Area 51 this Friday, we are joining forces with the Kyles, the Rock Throwers, and the Naruto Runners of the world to bring you a special episode dedicated to the one, the only, Area 51. With all of that said, here is the beginning of the narration where I regurgitate all of that information for you again. Enjoy! It's been called Dreamland. Paradise Ranch, Groom Lake, Homie Airport, and the Nevada Test and Training Range. Or, to the Kyles, Rock Throwers, and Naruto Runners of the Internet, it's called Area 51. In honor of the hilarious and totally legit raid of the facility planned for September the 20th, let's take a look at Area 51 and try to get to the bottom of what really goes on inside those top-secret hangars in the Nevada desert. Located more than 120 miles northwest of Las Vegas, the name Area 51 remains unclear in its origin.
1: Well, it's probably consecutive numbers, right? Is there Area 50? Area 49?
0: So that's actually something that... We, we do touch up uh, upon, where I think initially people thought that it was because of the like the the grid for the Atomic Energy Commission, but it actually doesn't work that way. Like it's it's not Area Fifty One. Like I think it's closest to like Area Fifteen or something like that. So maybe the fact that it is close to Area Fifteen, people were just like Fifty One because they're dyslexic. I I don't I don't know. I don't I don't. I'm not other people. Is there any
1: significance in the number 51? Well, I mean five plus one is six. And six is the devil's number if you repeat it three times. So,
0: like I mean we we could get Jim Carrey in this and see see what he thinks. Although he might just try and get us to like not vaccinate our kids. Oh no, he's
1: he changed his mind again, I think.
0: Uh eh, it's Hollywood. Many believe it comes from an Atomic Energy Commission numbering grid. This might be a thing, although it makes about as much sense as Nicolas Cage's acting career. This is because Area 51 is not actually a part of that grid, and the facility is in fact closer to Area 15. It's formally called the Nevada Test and Training Range and is comfortably tucked away within a ring of mountains deep within the Nevada desert. Though it remains highly secretive and classified in its operations, the US Air Force have formally stated that the site is used as an open training range and testing ground, where many speculate experimental and cutting-edge aircraft and weapons technology are engineered and tested. Historically. This speculation would prove to be accurate, as the alleged reason for the USAF purchasing the site was to flight test the Lockheed U-2 aircraft. We here at Mystery Canucks will be using the term alleged quite liberally throughout this show, since we all know what really goes on at Area 51. Here's a hint. It rhymes with Schmalians.
1: Got it good, so I don't know if this happened in real life or I'm just remembering an episode of homeland but I, I swear there was a is like a helicopter that went down in Pakistan somewhere and it was like one of the newest helicopters, and the United States Air Force like had to get in there and retrieve it because you can't like even let non friendly countries take a look at your technology because then they can reverse engineer it and put it in their own helicopters and stuff like that. And there's technology that isn't disclosed that is on those, like, cause it's the United States air force, right? So that, that helicopter might have some kind of radar technology that could pick up like stealth planes or something like that. And other countries don't even know that it exists yet, even though it might not be alien technology, but it's just advanced enough technology that You wouldn't want the idea of it or the blueprints of it falling into the hands of the enemy.
0: Now, I've never seen Homeland. I know about Homelander from the TV show The Boys on Amazon Prime TV. We're not sponsored. I'm just throwing their name out there. And so I have no idea if that was an episode. Um, I'm also pretty stupid when it comes to world events. Like... Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm not very smart when it comes to that stuff. I'm not up, I'm not, I'm like Steve Buscemi, you know, hello you fellow news enthusiasts. But it's kind of funny when you say like they can't even see the technology, like it is true, but the first thing that pops into my mind is just like you see like a spy satellite just with just the most heavily pixelated image of just what appears to be a helicopter wreck and they're just like zoom, enhance, zoom again enhance further like it's an episode of csi you know miami or something like that and then they're just getting just like a crystal clear 4k super high res image of like the cockpit that's so much so that they can read like the the temperature gauge in helicopter compartment number six i'm not an engineer i don't know what these things look like but it is true like they uh the reason for secrecy and and this makes sense and this is why that there are more than just area 51 in terms of these like top secret bases where the re like they don't want their technology to fall into the wrong hands but not only that they also want to keep they want to keep their technology close to the chest until they're ready to reveal it because if they do that then they can almost have a monopoly over it right like you were saying this radar technology like if they if they're the first to discover it and champion it, you know, and, and perfect it and all that stuff, then they could come out, you know, in 10 years and say, hey, we have this crazy, like, just advanced, super sophisticated, detail-oriented radar technology. And then they could then sell it to the, the countries of the world, you know, like Lockheed Martin could be like, hey, we discovered, you know, we created this technology we're gonna sell it for sixteen billion per license. Like, good luck, countries of the world. Like we're gonna we're gonna just increase your debt for a little piece of technology. So I wouldn't doubt that they that they do that.
1: So in, in fourth or fifth grade, I did my yearly speech on aliens, and I ended up winning. But this your speech had to be between two and five minutes. And I had, I got like a 98 or something on it. And I lost like two or 3% because I went to six minutes. And then the girl who beat me was, I don't know, I was, I had like a 96 and she had a 97. So I missed out and I didn't get to do my speech about aliens at the, uh, at the regional tryouts. But I just talked about like the Aurora. Do we talk about this in the script? The Aurora spacecraft? I don't know, actually. I don't remember. It was like Codename Aurora. I think it was just the Blackbird. I can't remember, but it was like a. I talked about a Blackbird and a weather balloon. Oh, like
0: what is it? The SR seventy one Blackbird or whatever the 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 plane that they base the X Men like yeah jet after in the uh the the old movies with e. Jikmin.
1: and Famke Jansen or Jansen. So did you say that your speech was six minutes? It was like six minutes and thirty seconds I, or something. I like feel
0: that. like that's relevant. Like the number six keeps popping up here. No, it was subconscious. That's probably what it was. Future you went back in time and like subconsciously incepted the idea to make your speech, your speech.
1: I can speak words today, folks. Speech is like I don't. know, What are you, Jersey? From Jersey, and your speech is weird. Say hi to your mother for me. <laughs> yeah, you, your
0: your future self went into the past and incepted the idea into your brain to make your speech a minute longer, because the number six is relevant because five plus one is six. And those two numbers together make area fifty-one. Can you see where we're going with this, friends? We're just a couple of regular David Ikes up in here. Um, for for those who don't know, this is this is a little sidebar. David Ike is the person who believes that the queen is a lizard. He was also a soccer player or football for the cultured. So, that just goes to show how how like what his credentials are. It's like, yeah, I kicked a ball with my foot for. However many years. Oh, and by the way, now I'm the leading researcher into humanoid reptilian theory.
1: Man, I love like you know the rapper B.O.B. B.? Yes. He he's a flat earther. Of course he is. Like what what kind of credentials do you have to say that the earth is flat? No offense to B.O.B. B. fans.
0: He's just like, man, I can I can write a mean rhyme. So that that automatically makes me like Copernicus.
1: Well, he was on that song Airplanes, so he's like I guess he's been in an airplane. That's his credentials.
0: Can we pretend that airplanes fly around the dome in flat earth society? I don't know. I just, I can't, like, I'm not a musician. So yeah, that's, that's kind of sad. For the people of the world, watch the flat earth documentary on Netflix and just, you know, try not to eat too much while you're watching the movie because you'll probably choke from laughing, but have fun with that. In 1955, under Project Aquatone, the CIA established the Groom Lake Test Facility for the development and testing of the Lockheed U-2 Strategic Reconnaissance Aircraft. There was a demand to test the aircraft and train any and all pilots away from the Edwards Air Force Base, or Lockheed's Palmdale facility, since the project was shrouded in secrecy and its classified nature needed to remain intact. So who comes up with these project names or like the operation names? Because some of them are really random. Like, you know, a lot of people reference the one from World War II, Operation Paperclip. Um, there's Project Blue Book. There's I think there's another one in this later on called Mogul. Aquatone. Like who comes up with these names it's like people who name streets.
1: Wait, when was uh, Watergate? I I don't
0: know. Sixties or seventies? Probably the was Nixon before or after JFK? I think he was after. I don't know, but yeah, this is this is what
1: happens when you ask a Canadian about American history. It's probably because they couldn't add gate to the end of every project to just is what they do now. Anytime anything happens, they just call it like Princess Gate or. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, it's just, it's so random. Like,
0: if you ever drive through a town and you look at some of the the street names, you know, some of them make sense, like, you know, Birch or Pinecone, that's probably not a street name, or, like, Elm, you know, like, they're the professors from Pokemon, but then you get some random-ass ones where it's just, like, you know, like, Seafoam, and you're just like, dude, I live in a landlocked, you know, part of the country, why is Seafoam a name for my street? So it's almost like that. It's just like they have a guy who just he's he's very much in love with his Webster's dictionary and he just carries it around with him and that's the only reason they hired him for these, you know, for, for this intelligence operation. And they'll just be like, All right, Mike, flip open the book to any page and just point at a word, and he's the one who determines all of it. Like he'll just open it up and the next one will just be like, you know, operation tie clip. Operation Cuticle, you know, Project Ceramic, like, I don't, I don't know, words, words and stuff, but I just, I always wondered that, because when you hear these names, you watch these documentaries where they talk about them, not even from a conspiratorial standpoint, just in general, they have the dumbest, stupid-ass names, and they're just, they seem to have no relevance to anything, like, what was Aquatone, what was Mogul, unless you're
1: skiing, like I don't know, what's what's that South Park episode where they go to war and he's like, all right, what what does he call them? Ah, oh, you guys are gonna be uh, oh
0: Operation Human Shield,
1: yeah Operation Cannon fodder or something like that.
0: That was yeah that was from the South Park movie actually. I, oh, I, if yeah. I if I remember correctly, when they go to war with Canada, Kyle's of the internet don't listen to your mom. You cannot blame Canada. The site that would become Area 51 was selected for a various number of reasons. The lakebed adjacent to the facility makes for an ideal strip for testing various aircraft, which is where the name Groom Lake came from. Learning is fun, isn't it? Furthermore, the Emigrant Valley Mountain Range and NTS Perimeter kept the site well hidden from visitors and prying eyes. It was then named Paradise Ranch to make it sound like sunshine and farts, and encourage workers to move to a random group of hangars and buildings in the middle of the freaking desert.
1: I just want to point out that all these names are way easier to pronounce than the last the names we've had in the last few episodes.
0: Oh yeah, in terms of like facility names and stuff like that, like it's not some stupid like Flubinglabin or something.
1: Yeah, Groom Lake sounds pretty easy. I, I like the name Paradise Ranch because it sounds like like a discount air freshener that (laughs) smells like ranch
0: i was gonna say it sounds like um if if michael jackson's what was it like dreamland ranch or something like that neverland ranch if that was target which one's better target or walmart target yeah i was gonna say so that would be target then then paradise ranch would be the, the walmart brand version we here at mystery canucks can spend all day listing off other aircraft that were developed and tested at Area 51, but that would be about as fun as cutting your grandmother's crusty toenails. Enjoy that visual, people of the world. You're welcome. That said, notable aircraft developed there include the A-12, aka Oxcart, as well as the stealth fighter F-117 Nighthawk. That's it. That's all you get in the way of aircraft listing. After all, we're the Mystery Canucks, not the
1: FAA. Let's get back to the mystery already. How about the mystery of those Malaysian planes that went down? I feel like we'll cover that at some
0: point, but then again, I would rather not have Facebook ping all of the governments of the world where my location is when I plan on getting on a plane in the future because I don't want to mysteriously go missing after reporting on this. The the Zuck knows too much. I was
1: uh, at a thing and we were talking about cybersecurity and there was some like middle-aged people in the room and the person talking about cybersecurity said you should never check in at the airport saying like never check in on Facebook that you're at the airport with your location and one of the kind of middle aged people in the rooms like, well how do you get on the plane if you're not allowed to check in? <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, you know what though that's actually it's cute and very innocent. It's like something my mom would say and I'd just be like, oh mom, damn it. But that is actually true. And it actually I think that's a big reason why for those of you who are savvy with uh Twitch, YouTube, and just live streaming in general, there's a creator named Ice Poseidon who was pretty big on Twitch for a while, and I think he's now perma banned to the point where if, like, you hang out with him and stream on Twitch, you get banned. That's how toxic he was. I don't really know. I wasn't around on Twitch when that happened, but he was in the news, I forget how many years ago, because he, like, live streamed where he was when he was getting on a plane. And he, like, f- I don't even know if he let it slip or if it was intentional or not, but basically the chat ended up getting the information for his the gate he was at, the airport he was at, the flight number, everything and they called I think they called in like a bomb threat to troll him like they said that he he was doing something. And so he got pulled off the plane or arrested or whatever the hell happened. So it's just like that's why you don't check in at the airport when you're on Facebook or Twitch or Instagram or you know don't I don't know don't log in with the pizza pizza app or whatever the hell you you might use because they they all they all want to know where you are and what you're doing
1: speaking of twitch did you hear about uh i don't know that that girl who was slanging her beef lips on on twitch (laughs) i've never heard it called that before i i heard she uh she
0: tossed the clam that was another funny one but yeah yeah. Who would have thought that not wearing underwear and really baggy like short pant
1: leg things would be a bad idea when you're rolling around on the floor? So I heard she got banned. Well, it was supposed to be perma banned, and then it was three days. And then on the third day, he rose again and forgave all her sins. No, no. On, <laughs> <laughs> on the third day, there was a another streamer. Who got banned for wearing a sports bra or something like that.
0: Oh, yeah, that's uh, that was Faria, so I might be mispronouncing her name. She's a really big Overwatch streamer. Amazing player. Uh, she got banned, yeah, because she I guess she was, like, I don't know if she did a workout stream or it was, like, after a workout or before a workout, but she was in, like, workout gear. And, like, you know, I've gone to the gym and I've seen women wearing, like, literally just a sports bra and then, like, pants. And that's fine because that's that's the proper attire you can wear to a gym. And Twitch was like, nah, too sexual. As we mentioned earlier, the facility is shrouded in secrecy and remained elusive and completely classified until 2013 when a Freedom of Information Act request led to the release of a CIA document that chronicled the history of the U-2. So I should also mention that that Freedom of Information request was if I remember correctly, I was, I read it on like four or five different sources. I'm pretty sure that it was heavily redacted. So like good, good job, I guess. You got like 8% of the information you probably wanted. Cause originally I think it was released in 98, but it was even more redacted. And then obviously once the, the whole Freedom of Information Act was passed, uh, I forget who or what organization requested it, but they were like, yo, like we want this. And so the CIA probably just blacked out like five
1: or six less lines and then released it to them. Can you imagine that's how things worked in real life? Like if you're in school and your teacher's like, why did not you do your homework? And you're like redacted. (laughs) Like you could just like that was just acceptable to be like, here's the truth, but I redacted most of it. So you don't really have an answer. You could just be like,
0: yeah, like imagine if that was just everyday, you know, vernacular just... Well, I would have loved to have turned in my essay, Mrs. Johnson, but redacted led to me being redacted, which ultimately caused redacted to burn up on entry and then redacted ultimately caused me to suffer redacted, redacted expletive, which is why I couldn't turn in my, uh, my, my essay. I'm sorry.
1: What was your go-to excuse when you didn't do your homework?
0: Oh, I never came up with an excuse. I just told them I didn't do it. Oh. I got in so much trouble in high school for that. My parents would come home from, like, those, like, parent-teacher interviews and be like, so, like, kudos to you for being honest, but, like, do your friggin' homework. It's like, dude, I do the assignments, I write the tests,
1: like, that's enough. <laughs> Remember our math teacher? We had many. The short one. <laughs> the really cute one. The
0: one with the face?
1: Yeah. She, she loved, I would use it all the time because it made her laugh. I said I was protesting seal clubbing. <laughs> well i mean it's relevant because we are canadian This is my go-to
0: protesting the trudeau government just you know actually who would have been prime minister when we were in high school crap paul martin stephen harper yeah it was stephen harper because i remember in civics class we talked about if it was creepy for him to like yeah i think it was that i think it was like we were we were trying to evaluate whether or not it was creepy that he shakes his kids hands instead of like giving them a hug when he's like dropping them off or something which i was like i don't know man <laughs> maybe he's like the guy from ketty he he loves his hammer more than he loves his his kids so he shakes his kids hands and he saves all the kisses for his hammer
1: well it's funny because not to get too political but there's a president in another country right now who maybe touches his daughter way too much and we had a prime minister who like wouldn't touch his kid at all yeah like they
0: it's almost like you're handling like radioactive material where there's like that sheet of glass and and then the two gloves that go into the actual reactor or whatever the hell you you operate so his kids are standing on one side of that and he's on the other side of the glass and has to like you know put his hands through the uh the gloves to shake his kid's hand then he promptly goes into quarantine where they shower him down he puts his suit and his sweater vest back on and then he goes and lives his
1: life that was a big thing here it was like our prime minister won't even hug his own child. And we are like advocating for touching children. And then, <laughs> and then down south it was like so-and-so gropes his daughter and says, if Ivanka wasn't my daughter, I think we'd be dating.
0: They actually make fun of that in, in the most recent season of Family Guy to come out on Netflix. I think it's 17 where they actually do like a couple of Trump episodes. And in one of them, uh, Meg meets Ivo- Ivanka. Ivan, the merchant's daughter. Yeah. Um, and she says, like, I want to introduce you to someone. And she's like, I don't mean to brag, but he's kind of like my boyfriend. And then takes him into the president's office. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also kind of funny because then they show him, like, getting his, his hair done in a cotton candy machine. But <laughs> I, I don't know if that's legit. I cannot confirm nor deny what goes on in the Oval Office. Prior to this, the site was shut off from the world and was considered a myth for quite some time. This was due to the extreme discretion and secrecy being enforced by military and intelligence officials throughout the years. In 1974, Skylab astronauts took incidental photographs of Area 51. These images were quickly reviewed and were promptly removed from all film rolls and stored in a highly restrictive vault. Given the lengths these officials go to to conceal the operations of Area 51, it's no surprise that the facility has been the subject of many conspiracy theories and speculation. I mean, that's why you're here, right? You want to hear about little green men and lizard people. We should also mention that the facility is heavily guarded, with armed patrols and surveillance watching all sides of the base, and restricted airspace over and adjacent to the site meaning even if the Kyles drink all the Red Bulls in Nevada, they'd still be met with aerial resistance while storming Area 51. So that's actually something that makes a lot of sense, but they go about it in the most half-assed, harebrained way possible. So I've watched a lot of documentaries regarding Area 51. And, you know, there are pilots who will go up in their little propeller planes, and they'll they'll take people as close as they possibly can to like the perimeter of the of the airspace, and as soon as they start getting to that perimeter, they'll get a message or like a buzz on their their radio saying, you know, like forty five er you guys are uh, entering restricted airspace. Please turn back, uh, whatever, whatever. And so they have to obviously they'll they'll like detour and go more or less around the entire perimeter or however whatever. But then if you're driving, there are signs. But they're placed in such weird areas where it's just like... Because it's desert. So why not just put a really big fence around the entire thing to very clearly mark it? Or, or like have just markers basically everywhere that you can distinctly know that's Area 51. And like this is as far as they're allowing us to go. Because that's the thing is I've seen people who have just been like screwing around in the desert on like dirt bikes and stuff... And they they don't see any of the signs because it's the desert. And then they and then they're immediately like swarmed by armed guards going like Get the hell out of here! What are you doing? What are you doing? And it's just like, dude, I literally could see none of the signs. How the hell am I supposed to know where I am?
1: Like I'm. It's like what? Get out of here. Well, oh, I heard that once you are inside like the fenced in portion, shoot to kill. Like everyone has a has a golden gun.
0: Well, apparently that's why the Kyles were supposed to be our front line for this raid because, I don't know. Apparently people just really don't like Kyles. What about Chads and Brads? Oh, I like Brad. I have a friend named Brad. I don't know anyone named Chad though, so I I don't I don't know. They should just call up those uh, what is it like the the river otter or whatever the the Chads of the the otter <laughs> species. Like the lyrics to Bohemian Rhapsody. Everyone knows about the Roswell incident. This is a good jumping off point to explore the many conspiracies and other fun stuff surrounding Area 51. Just be sure you don't actually jump, because you're likely in a car while listening to this podcast. There is speculation that the craft that crashed in the New Mexico desert in 1947 was collected and eventually moved to the Groom Lake facility. If this is the case, then chances are it can mean one of two things. If, like every answer to every question ever, it was truly aliens, then it would have to be carted over to Area 51 with the intention of reverse engineering and all technology found within the craft. However, in 1994, the USAF released a report that all of the wreckage from the incident were just sensors and radar reflectors from a series of weather balloons that were part of a secret project called Mogul. If we here at Mystery Canucks had to take a guess, we'd like to believe that the government is more full of sh than a music festival porta potty, and that it's obviously aliens. But you be the judge. So I never understood that. You know, if it was this top secret weather balloon array or whatever it is that they said it was sensors radar equipment whatever whatever all shot up in these you know these balloons wouldn't the like the officials who recovered it know exactly what it was because if you look at some of the newspaper clippings and stuff or if you watch like a documentary on roswell some of the first things they said is it was like it was a flying saucer this is wreckage like it exploded or whatever whatever like that clearly means it's not a weather balloon right and like you would think that the people in Roswell, you know, the military officials who were, who were near that base or wherever who intercepted the wreckage would have looked at it and been like, that's clearly a weather balloon. But instead, apparently, allegedly, they just kind of looked at it and went, we have no idea. It's probably aliens. And then the, the initial reporting was eventually retracted. From being like extraterrestrial, and then they said, Nah, you guys are stupid. It's just, it's just radar
1: stuff. I don't really have an answer to that or any kind of rebuttal. I think I'm going to guess it was probably some very, very, very new, never heard of technology. And I, like, have you ever gone down the rabbit hole of the worst United States military projects like ever funded or whatever? There's one where like they tried to make a gay bomb.
0: I. I've heard of that, and I remember that there was one. I can't remember if it was one of their, like, attempts to assassinate Fidel Castro, but they, like, tried to train cats to do it. Yeah. And then, like, (laughs) the first test was a failure because all the cats kept getting run over by cars.
1: Like, they they do a lot of weird stuff, so I wouldn't be surprised if it was some kind of weather balloon and they're, like, trying to control the weather or something like that. All new technology, and it goes down, and they don't want that program or the technology using that program to come into, into... public hands so when that crashes that's why the military showed up to recover all the wreckage you know what it really was i guarantee it was just like some like
0: i don't know ranks and like the hierarchy in the military but like high-ranking military person number one was flying his or her horn stash across the, the the roswell new mexico desert to get to another military base where his or her buddies would intercept it and be able to watch backdoor sluts nine but you know weather and weather balloons don't necessarily go together all the time and it promptly crashed and when he heard of that he goes my vhs tapes or whatever would have been a thing in 47 and promptly ordered it to get collected and brought back and he goes no no no, don't worry guys it's just it's radar equipment don't we're, we're just gonna put it in the locker and uh and i'm going to go uh i'm going to go inspect it myself in a couple hours. No nobody follow me. And then you know, you don't see him for 3 to 5 hours and he comes back sweaty. So you're kind of like, "Hey, sir and or madam, what
1: what happened?" You know, it's a real conspiracy. How the f*** is colonel pronounced colonel?
0: Yeah, that's actually a good that's a good question. It's kind of like um like like, the the car company Lincoln. Like, it's not spelled like that. It's
1: Lincoln. It, but it's not even close. Like, there's no R in colonel. Yeah, that's really weird. You would almost imagine that
0: if you would... Like, it would sound more like like colonel versus colonel. Whereas, if you were to spell it phonetically, it would almost resemble
1: like a popcorn kernel. Well, we have... Oh, okay. We got two. We got some of these in Toronto. We have... Queen's Quay. Oh, yeah, and it's like Queen's Quay? Yeah, so you know someone's not from the city. If they're like, yeah, I just went down Queen's Quay.
0: It sounds like uh, if you watch South Park when Terrence and Philip talk about queefing, they go like, <laughs> it's a quaff.
1: <laughs> and then we have, uh, we have the Sioux, which is S-A-U-L-T, and it's not pronounced salt or salt.
0: Oh, yeah, but that's like French, like Sous-Saint-Marie. Yeah, but what does it like mean? That? What does salt mean? I have no idea. I don't speak French. It's not Saint because that's salt. I, I like studied French until until I was 14, and then I promptly was like, cool, I'm going to remove this from my database and fill it with
1: song lyrics and useless facts about porcupines. So what dickbag looked at Colletil and was like, nah, it's Colonel now, and we're not going to change the spelling?
0: The same person who decided to call Pineapples, Pineapples, and not something like Ananas.
1: Probably the same guy who lost his porn over the Mojave Desert.
0: Those who venture into the Nevada desert along the borders of Area 51 are typically there to see something unexplained and mysterious, because we all know they aren't there to look at sand. After all, it's all coarse, and rough, and irritating, and it gets everywhere. Some who have made the trek indeed report things that could be labelled unexplained. Many have reported seeing strange lights and shapes traveling at impossible speeds or unidentified aircraft hovering and maneuvering in directions impossible with our current technology. Could these reports be the result of ultra-advanced, black-budget, classified aircraft being tested in the skies near Area 51? Or is the explanation more extraterrestrial in nature? If you'd like to hear our opinion in someone else's voice, connect with Georgios Soukoulis from Ancient Aliens, because he'll tell you that it's always aliens. Okay, I have a story. So, it's not a funny story, but it is relevant to the conversation. So, about four years ago, I was in Japan. I visited Tokyo for, I think it was like eight or nine days, then Kyoto for three or four. Way too short of a trip to go to Japan because it's friggin' huge and I wanted to stay longer, but it was last minute. So Bob's your uncle. Anyway, we went to, I, I believe it was called Mirai Khan uh, or something to that effect. I'm sorry if I just butchered the name, but it was basically like a technology museum uh, similar to like us going to the science center here in Ontario or s- something to that effect going to like the Smithsonian and looking at their like science division. So, when I was there, I went with my buddy and my dad. And as we were walking through, they have a lot of random stuff, you know, like stupid things. They have all of their documented satellites and, and space exploration missions and all that cool stuff. Uh, they have Asimo, the robot who can dance and do sign language and was made by, I think, like Honda for some reason. Uh, they have a lot of robotics there. Some of them are really creepy. Like, they they look real enough but there's that like uncanny valley factor and the fact that they're like they move super robotic that you're kind of like either you're like a lady like either you're a lady on bath salts or you're a robot or both i
1: don't know can robots do bath salts uh no i don't think so i don't i don't know how drugs would ever change the ai of a circuit board yeah that's
0: true i I can imagine that their version of like drugs would just be pouring water on like their motherboard Like, oh yeah, I'm so high, I'm fried. Yo, give me some more of that H2O. Anyway, while we were there, there's a lot of stuff that you can't see. There's a lot of stuff that is basically like vaulted off. And you can see the doors leading to more restricted areas that they have like keycard access or, you know, a pin pad or whatever. So my friend and I were just talking amongst ourselves and and I proposed the question and I said, dude... How how likely is it that behind these doors and in other facilities like this in the country and in other countries of the world, there are just, you know, countless n- amounts of technology that are like you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, however many years ahead of our current technology curve. And how likely is it that we will only see like a fraction of that in our lifetime because they're trickling it down to us. And the fact of the matter is, is it's probably pretty likely, you know, these government facilities across the world developing whatever technology that they want to develop likely have technology that is vastly superior to what we have right now. But the fact of the matter is they can't release it all at once For one, it would change society as we know it. And a lot of people suck with change. Like, you know, I used to work in IT and I upgraded the the entire floor from uh, Windows XP to Windows 7. And it was like... Like, they just... Their brain disappeared from... Like, it divided by zero and just erased itself from their head. And everybody forgot what was going on and they didn't know how to operate anything. And life just kind of sucked for a while. So... That's the one facet, but then the second one is there's no profit in that. Because if you release everything at once, there's that huge surplus. There's that huge surge in profit, and then it like it plateaus, it levels off, and then they get nothing, right? Because they have to keep innovating. So what they do instead is they develop this technology, and they trickle it down so that it keeps us wanting more. But at the same point, it's not you know, light years ahead of what we have now so that they have to continuously one up themselves. Like they can just be like they're like Apple. You know, they're they're like, hey, here's the iPhone 10 S and 10 S Max. Guess what we did for the new ones? We changed the name to Pro and we put another camera on it. Go spend another thousand dollars, you pieces of crap. Like that's basically what the government's doing is they're they're gonna just trickle this stuff out. Like they probably already have more autonomous robots. They probably have like more advanced self-driving cars and aircraft or whatever. They probably have all this crazy,
1: crazy cool stuff, but they're just like, where's the money in that? So a few things, I think three things. First thing, exoskeletons. Those are sick, but they're so expensive and it would suck to be plugged in on an exoskeleton, but they only have like 15 to 30 minutes worth of battery life. So it's not profitable. And it's not practical to use in an in industrial setting. So people who have to like work in a warehouse, you know, you can't always use the exoskeleton because it just wouldn't make sense. But I can see where you're coming from because it'd be sick if we could all have exoskeletons. You know what I mean?
0: Well, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like how how likely is it that one of the governments, there are a lot of countries in the world, all of which have governments how likely is it that one of these countries' governments has discovered or developed or engineered or whatever fancy buzzword you want to use a technology that can replace the need for oil or it can it can produce, you know, super efficient, you know, crazy, cool, awesome, whatever kinds of, of fuel and energy... But it's not being released because of how dependent the world is on oil to power our vehicles. It's kind of like what you're saying, like, you know, like electric cars are kind of similar where they're getting better and they're getting better. But who's to say that in some like black budget military site somewhere, you know, like in in like Dulce, New Mexico or Wright-Patterson Air Force Base or that one that looks like the X-Men mansion in, in Europe somewhere, there is this car that basically one charge will last like 80 years but that's not profitable so they're not gonna they're not gonna release that they're gonna suppress it until the need for oil and like the the monopoly that oil has drops and it's probably the same in like pharmacology and medicine it's probably the same in like you know just just every facet of technology in the world they probably have phones you know, in specific parts of of the military and intelligence communities, that are like a hundred thousand times more advanced than ours, and we may never see that in our lifetimes because by the time they trickle it down to us, it could be like one hundred and fifty years from now.
1: So, I the other two things I was going to talk about is you you mentioned pharmacology and medicine. First, I want to point out something like the movie Gattaca, where it we have the technology to like build people in a test tube and and say like, hey, this person's going to have blue eyes and we're going to remove the gene for Huntington's so you're never going to get it. And we can do all of these things where before this person's even born, they're going to be genetically superior to someone who was born naturally. And then that would affect insurance rates. And then you don't want to split the population into people who could afford to be genetically superior. It gets really tricky. So it's just something that's outlawed. And even though the technology's there to do all this good, it just isn't for the greater good for us to implement something like that because whether you you know, you know believe in capitalism or communism or whatever you believe in, I, I don't really care. But uh, our current, I guess, political and economical systems just wouldn't allow for it because it would get out of hand. And I do want to talk about, um, I know the way that certain drugs work. So uh, biologics are drugs that mimic like biological molecules in your body that your body produces naturally. And they're they're fairly expensive to make and they're fairly expensive to take. So these are drugs that could cost someone 30000 a year out of pocket. And the issue that some of these drugs have is that they might be life-saving drugs. They might change somebody's life. But I, at least I know in Canada, it has to pass a test. And there's two different criteria for this test. And the criteria that it has to be cost-effective and it has to be like something about goodness has to pass some kind of goodness test and that's what get this drug gets this these drugs approved for private why do i keep bungling this it has to pass two different tests so one test determines how good the drug is relative to other drugs and whether the drug is cost-effective and if it passed both of those tests the drug becomes available for public coverage so in Canada we have universal healthcare and that means that this drug that costs 30 grand a year the government will pay for the whole thing. And oftentimes some of these drugs are not passing one or both of these tests and not being approved and that's why it costs so much and that's why you don't see it as often because there's often cheaper solutions to these drugs but they're not nearly as effective and people just don't have the money to pay 30,000 out of pocket or 15,000 out of pocket. So it's kind of funny
0: how you said goodness test, because the first thing that popped into my mind was like they they just give like a syringe with like, you know, like a purple liquid to Marie Kondo and she injects it into like, I don't know, like herself. And it's just like, yes, this sparks joy. And then they pass it. That's that's the goodness test. Well,
1: it's it's weird because I'm, I'm thinking of a drug specifically. I won't name it, but there's a drug that can like, actually change someone's life where they, they can go back to work again and function like a normal person. And it has, like, positive side effects that are off-label. And for whatever reason, this drug didn't pass the goodness test. And the drugs that are out there now are... Well, there are no drugs out there right now. Doctors are recommending other drugs for off-label uses to cure this issue. And I don't know. It's just it's just a whole shit show. And... When people get upset about saying, oh, like, they probably already have the cure for can," Like, it's more complicated about curing cancer because it's not not really like an illness. It's like the, the unmitigated multiplication of cells. It's literally your body
0: trying to kill you. Yeah. It's, At this point, your, body's, your body functions like a Dark Souls game and is
1: just like, well, <laughs> you had it easy for 10 minutes. Your body just keeps spawning bad guys, basically. So it's a little more complicated than that, but there are drugs that are out there that are just not covered in a country like Canada that are just not covered by private coverage or public coverage. And you may never hear about them because of that. And because it would be so out of reach for the, for the regular person. And there's, I mean, doctors aren't perfect either. Like, God, I would know. And they oftentimes just don't even know about a lot of these new drugs. So you have to find a doctor who will refer you oftentimes to another doctor, to a specialist and then if that specialist can't figure it out, he's got to recommend you do another specialist. And then it just, like, you go down a rabbit hole and you realize how, like, we have so much cool technology, but at the same time, we're also lagging behind in so many different factors.
0: So it's kind of, it's it's interesting that you mentioned cancer specifically because I was going to bring up, again, I'm going to bring up Family Guy. Not the best analogy. No, analogy is not the right word. It's not the best comparison, but it's, like, it's relevant. So there is that one episode of Family Guy where Brian and Stewie find out that Lois's dad found the cure for cancer and was basically keeping it behind, like, lock and key and vault and guard and all this stuff. And his reasoning was, you know, why sell someone a cure when you can sell them, like, incremental advancements or you could or you could give them treatments and build them every step of the way and you know the cynic in me is coming out at times and saying you know you probably know more about this than i do but it's like how how true is that for a lot of these these uh medicines and, and this technology going forward you know how many of how many governments or how many labs have come up with an alternative that in many ways is better to what is being, you know, pushed out by by these, these pharmacology groups and is being rejected because it's just like a be-all, end-all cure or at least something that is so potent and so good at what it does that it basically, like, makes a lot of these things obsolete and that way they can't charge you, you know... every couple of weeks for a refill, for example, or that's that's an arbitrary number I pull out of my head. I I don't know if your medicine actually costs that. I uh, I I cry in free healthcare. So,
1: well, it is. I mean, to speak more to my to my point, I know there are some drugs in the states, too, that that they don't. Most people don't have, I guess, public coverage. And at the same time, there's drugs that don't qualify for private coverage either. So you're boned no matter what. And you're going to have to pay tens of thousands out of pocket probably even more um to cover certain drugs and that's why people just don't know about them so
0: i mean that's fair that's entirely fair i'm still probably going to be incredibly cynical and and conspiratorial that the government is more concerned about making money than its citizens but hey hey you can't read my thoughts because i'm wearing a tinfoil hat Now, get ready for some time travel, because we're going to be hopping between dates for the next little while. Between 2013 and 2016, three separate instances of government officials referencing Area 51 and addressing the conspiracies and mysteries have taken place. First, former President Barack Obama became the first president to reference Area 51 by name in public. This promptly caused every military official aware of the truth behind Area 51 to collectively shout, Thanks, Obama! A year later, in 2014, former President Bill Clinton joked about his interest in the facility while sitting as president. On Jimmy Kimmel Live, Clinton mentioned that he asked his aides to investigate what the government knew about Area 51 and any and all UFO activity. Was he really joking, though? Nobody can say for sure. After all, it's Bill Clinton we're talking about here. Finally, on our last stop before we go back in time nearly 30 years, we arrive in 2016. During the race to the presidential election, then candidate Hillary Clinton told Jimmy Kimmel that should she be elected to office, that any and all government files on unexplained aerial phenomenon, minus anything that threatens national security, would be released to the public. We all know how well that worked out, and we here at Mystery Canucks are calling bullsh** on those claims anyway, considering the government could literally just label all of those files as threats to national security, meaning it was all for nothing. Good job team, at least you tried. So that's, that's actually a really interesting tidbit that I kind of concocted in my brain muscle when I was writing this script because how true is that? Like, she basically said, I, I will release anything that is not a threat to national security. Well, whoever determines what is and isn't a threat to national security, speak words properly, Matt, come on, could have literally just gotten her request and been like well h dog hilly hill dog i don't know if she has any other nicknames you know we we get your request but like literally everything is a threat to national security even kinder eggs that's why we had to ban them so you can't release any of this come on you know better like they could they could literally just do that So her saying that was probably, I don't even want to say it was to get brownie points. It was probably just because since, I want to say since Obama, they had been referencing Area 51 and UFOs and stuff. And with the advent of talk shows becoming way more saturated, you know, one of these these schmucks was bound to ask the question. It just happened to be Jimmy Kimmel twice.
1: Can you believe that kinder eggs, lawn darts, and soon-to-be jewel pods slash vapes are going to be banned in the States? It's going to be
0: really funny to watch an influx of, you know, families in their in their Dodge caravans crossing the border into Canada to pick up a, a small suitcase full of kinder eggs for their kid's eighth birthday party. You know, they're going to get to the border, and, and the, the Border Patrol is going to be like, do you have any contraband in this, uh, in this vehicle, ma'am? You know, driver's going to be like, oh, no, sir. No, no. I just went into Canada to uh, to get some of that free health I hear so much about. You know, they, they talk about maple syrup and and, and in. So I wanted to go uh, mix those things because they sound good together. The guy's just like, I'm, I'm going to need you to open your trunk, ma'am. And then he pulls it open, you know, unzips one of their suitcase and is just like, pulls out a single can drink. Just like, what are these? And she's just like, you know, the jig is up, Brandon, let's go. And the kid just like has to
1: unhook himself out of his car seat. and They run into the sunset. Can you believe probably like what, 10, 15, 20 years from now, kids in the States like will just not know what kinder eggs are. What do you think is a bigger fine trying to bring lawn darts or a single kinder egg into the United States? So you get caught on Border Patrol and you're being a real dickhole and you're like, I'm you're just yelling at everybody you're you're lying to them and they find lawn darts or in a separate scenario same situation they find a single kinder egg what do you think is a bigger fine
0: before i answer that question given like that it's current year 2019 almost 2020 person being a huge dickhole to border patrol probably has their phone out and is going I know my rights. <laughs> I know my rights. You can't do this. I'm a sovereign citizen. I know my rights or whatever the hell they say. So I I don't know actually. I feel like lawn darts would be worse because they're like sharp. But picture this. So they actually make jumbo Kinder eggs that are not huge, but they're probably like I don't know, the size of like a football. Not a soccer ball, uh, like a hand egg football. And what, (laughs) what if you get pulled over and in a third separate scenario, it's a giant kinder egg, but the toy on the inside is a miniature version of lawn darts. You're going to double jail there. In one final time travel experience, Let's go back 30 years to the year 1989. In May of that year, KLAS and investigative reporter George Knapp interviewed a man using the pseudonym Dennis about his alleged employment at Area 51's various facilities. With his face obscured, Dennis went on to claim that he was employed at a facility called S4 and was slightly south of the main area 51 facility. He described working in a group of aircraft hangars built into the side of a mountain, where he was tasked with aiding and reverse engineering one of nine captured flying saucer craft. Dennis would continue to describe one of these craft, which he nicknamed the sport model. Real clever, am I right? He claimed it was manufactured from a metallic substance that looked and felt exactly like stainless steel, and that all craft were fueled and propelled by Atomic Element 115, also known as Moscovium. Element 115 accomplishes this by generating gravitational waves that the ship can then manipulate to achieve flight. Alright, let's cut the crap. The man's real name is Bob Lazar. Some of you might know him from a few documentaries that have since come out on Netflix, and some of you might know him because you thought, hey, that guy's name sounds like laser. So Bob Lazar is a very interesting character. We're gonna get a little more into why he is so interesting, and I'll, I'll touch a little bit upon that later. But i just like to say, if you look at a picture of Bob Lazar, even now. And then you look at a picture of, like, Bill Gates. It almost looks like if you're playing an RPG, you create Bill Gates as your character. Like, you do all the face, the eye, the hair, whatever. And then you hit show similar once. And it kind of, it doesn't randomize it, but it takes those features and it, like, skews them slightly. That's what, you, then you would end up with Bob Lazar. You'd start with Bill Gates. You hit you would hit, like, similar once. And then you end up with Bob Lazar. The two look very similar. I mean maybe not now, but Bob Lazar still wears those big like Jeffrey Dahmer glasses, like the big like like aviators that aren't aviators. Bob came forward with his true identity in November of 1989, during a follow-up interview to the one he was a part of in May of that year. During this interview, he alleged that he read briefing documents that chronicled the involvement of extraterrestrial beings throughout Earth's history over the past 10,000 years. He mentioned that these beings are what we regular folk call grey aliens, or the greys for short, and that they come from a planet orbiting the twin binary star system known as Zeta Reticuli. This system was also referenced as the area of origin for the aliens that allegedly abducted Betty and Barney Hill many years prior. However, this portion lacks any and all credibility, since as of the time of this recording, no extrasolar planets have been found in said system. Does that mean good old Bobby L is lying? We can't know for certain. His credentials and ethics have been called into question a number of times in the past, with many raising fair and legitimate questions that debunk or downplay many of his claims. However, there have been many reported law enforcement raids on Bob's offices and home, as well as alleged instances where someone has fired at his vehicle while in motion. These tactics, if true, are likely government bodies attempting to intimidate and or silence someone who allegedly knows too much.
1: When he says grey aliens, do you think that's where Stephen King got Mr. Grey? from dreamcatcher mr gray was an alien the whole time spoiler alert
0: maybe actually because i know for the longest time the the whole running joke was it was like little green men in flying saucers like you know i don't know why i just gave them like that kind of accent but yeah that was the running joke for a really long time and then i think it was actually around the time of the betty and barney hill incident which If I remember correctly, was I think in like the 60s or like late 50s. Um, Oh, are those real people? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're one of the first like heavily documented UFO abductions. We can actually look into this another time as a separate episode. But like the TLDR version was they were driving home. I think they're actually Canadian, uh, but they were driving home from an event or something like that. And they were in this like rural area. And a craft basically like landed in front of them on the road and under regressive hypnosis, not unlike Justin from the Keddie Cabin Murders. They both said that at times like they there was a light and they got out of the car and they they were like compelled to go to the craft and they like were experimented on basically and that they found out like they I think it was Betty Hill that said that one of the creatures showed her like a star map that pointed to uh the zeta reticuli system and i think it's in like i could be completely mistaken i'm not an astronomer i have no friggin' clue but i'm pretty sure it was in like i think it was like draco or something like that the constellation i could be wrong but that's just that's just my stupid canadian guess but that's yeah like they their story has been retold and documented so many times and I'm pretty sure that they referenced the aliens in their stories as greys versus, like, little green men.
1: So, I don't I don't know, actually. To be honest with you, I thought it was a King of the Hill joke that went over my head.
0: <laughs> I sell butt probes and butt probe and accessories. So, Bob Lazar is actually, again, a really interesting character. So, for whatever which reason, he... His first interview in May of 1989 was anonymous. He didn't mask his voice, which is kind of weird because you would imagine that, you know, government officials would be smart enough to be able to recognize his voice. Like, it's not like he used like a like a Batman voice changer or something like that to make himself sound different. But it's kind of funny because I almost imagine that these government officials were watching the, the broadcast on KLAS and were just like, Oh, man, we can't see his face. How the hell are we going to know who he is? Dennis? I don't know a Dennis. But six months later, seven months later, whatever, in November, he then comes out and goes, you know, with, with George Knapp again, I believe. I think he did all of his interviews with George Knapp. I could be wrong. I don't know too much about this. But he came out publicly and said, hey, my name is Bob which is a lot less interesting than Dennis. But then he he outlines all of this crazy stuff. And there are inconsistencies. Like I'm pretty sure over the past 30 years his story has been altered. But the gist of it is very much the same. He worked at S4 which is a facility just south of Groom Lake. Which is actually like the, the salt bed uh, like lake, like it's a drained lake or something like that, which is where they got the name groom Lake for. And you know in that facility they were reverse engineering craft and the ship looked this way and it had these attachments and this that and the other thing. like he he his details remain fairly consistent. So if he's telling the truth, then that's why. If he's lying, then he has told the story to himself so many times. That he can recite it from memory and even draw it in real time without having to, like, you know, sit and think about it for 10 minutes and then come back. But what is legit... So, there's a documentary. I don't know what it's called. I watched it probably, like, two, three months ago. It's on Netflix. I don't remember the guy who directed it, but he has a man bun, I'm pretty sure. And that's the only detail I remember about him he has a beard and a man bun I'm pretty sure anyway he uh he did this documentary on Bob Lazar and apparently they're really good friends now which is cool friends are fun but a few things happen during this documentary that are really suspect and give credibility to Bob Lazar so the first I mentioned where they there was a reported raid on uh Bob's place of work so he runs almost like it's it's almost like a chemistry shop where you can buy like like phosphorus and stuff like that and you can like do experiments you know places that like your high school would would go to to get these chemicals for like a chemistry lab and his facility got raided more than one time and i think his house was actually raided as well and one of those instances happened shortly after Bob and the director like met in like a forest off the grid somewhere to talk about like why he thinks that they're tracking him and what's kind of interesting is we talked about Facebook and how they track you and how you can you can say something and your phone might be listening to it and then you'll get an ad for it like an hour later it happened it's happened with me and it's like the creepiest thing ever but whatever so in a very similar situation they're talking about like their theories as to why people are still kind of like on his ass and he says that you know one like i'm pretty sure they're they're still on to me because killing me would basically just prove everything that i said is true because why else would they, like, you know, if they kill him, like, that means that he he has exposed something way too sensitive. Or, like, prosecute him and, and like, lock him up for, you know, 164 life sentences. But two, he says, I'm, I made it out of the facility with some of Element 115. Like, I, I still have some of Element 115. Then they say, we should turn our phones off because reasons and they turn their phones off they put them away and then shortly thereafter his facility is raided by the fbi or cia or both i don't know so it is a little suspect because they probably were looking for that element because if he's if he's been operating this this chemistry shop for let's say the past 30 years and nothing nefarious has come of it Nobody should be interested in just like some schmuck selling, you know, like magnesium to a high school. So that's that's why I think he has a little bit of credibility. But at the same point, like there's a lot there's a lot of errors and discrepancies in his stories in people who fact check him. So there's no real definitive way to know for sure. Like it it could go either way at this point but i do recommend watching the documentary on bob lazar or any any alien documentary for that matter cuz when you sift through all the crazies you do get some genuine gems who are like they they believe it so much but they are they back it up with legitimacy like they don't just say you know you can't see over the horizon, therefore the earth is flat. Like that that's not that. like they don't have that similar line of thinking. They actually bring like empirical evidence and science and that to try and back them up. And I mean, until it's proven one way or another, you can't really say, no, that's that's you know, bull poo-poo.
1: So So I just want to add quickly about Moscovium, why I don't believe Bob Lazar. So a really quick Google here shows me that the most stable known isotope of Moscovium is Moscovium 290. It has a half-life of only 0.65 seconds. So that means it takes only about a minute and 30 seconds for it to be reduced to less than half of what you started with. And then it turns into something that's not Muscovium. And then I'm reading here only about a hundred atoms of Moscovium have been observed to date. So I don't know how this guy got a hold of Moscovium in any sizable amount at all let's say even if he had an atom a single atom or let's say whatever few few trillion atoms or billion whatever makes up like a gram of moscovium it wouldn't be moscovium anymore its half-life would cause it to degrade and it would become something else so I, i mean i think this guy's a load of crap but at the same time uh I can see why the government would kind of probably harass this guy because he probably knows enough stuff that is secretive, but I think he might be embellishing major parts of his story.
0: That's entirely possible, yeah. I mean, if you want to get conspiratorial with Muscovium or, or anything for that matter, you could argue that the government behind closed doors and vaults and all this stuff has secretively managed to synthesize like the perfect muscovium isotope or whatever to the point where it doesn't behave that way and they can be, make it behave however they want. That's, again, it's pure speculation that's conspiratorial. And actually, you you saying that, like, he he knows some sensitive things. It's almost like... um, I want to say his name is Gary. I think it's, like, Gary McKinnon or something like that. But he was a hacker who managed to, like, hack into the Pentagon because he was bored. Like, he, he just broke through all of these layers of security i think it was the pentagon may have been like the cia or the fbi or maybe all of them i don't even know and he says that he found some crazy stuff regarding aliens and ufos and like secret space programs and why we haven't gone back to the moon and whatever and so maybe maybe bob is similar to that or maybe he did work for area 51 but not in the way that he's saying he is, and he's learned secrets, you know, it it may not have even been, like, alien craft. He could have been working on something that was just super experimental. And to him, he goes, well, that's a flying saucer. So then he leaves, you know, retires, quits, gets fired, whatever, and then goes to the public and says, by the way, that's, like, alien, even though it might not be. Hmm. That's a good point. I think the thing that really interests me when it comes to his claims is, you know, they keep harassing him, but they, they do it in, in a really kind of weird way. Like, if he just knew state secrets, then just arrest the guy. You don't even have to give him a, a formal, like, you don't have to give him a specific, you know, piece of intel that he could be charged with. You could just be like, you're you're spilling state secrets, like, something like that's treason. Because I am the Senate and, you know, that's a Star Wars reference for you, but they don't do that. Instead, they, you know, they raid his office, they raid his house. So it kind of makes me think, like, what if they have not necessarily come up with the perfect version of Muscovium, but they've, like, they've been perfecting it. And he managed to get away with some of it, not because... He wants to spill all these secrets or whatever. Like, maybe it's for his own research that he's just super curious about. And they want to get it back because they're like, yo, like, screw this. And the second one is, you know, when he's talking about... Like, he he mentions at one point that while he was driving on the highway, a car... I don't know if it... Like, it purposely went the wrong way on the wrong side of the road or if it just something happened. But his car was like shot at like he actually has like pictures of his car with like bullet holes in it. So either it was a complete random act of violence. Well, where's he? Where's he from?
1: Like, oh, he lives south side Chicago.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's just like it's just another day at the office. But yeah, his car was either sh- like either shot at in a random act of violence or Or it was targeted because apparently like the second this is these are, you know, anecdotes from his story. But he basically says, like, as soon as the person fired at us, they hit like part of my car, whatever. Nobody was hurt. They like sped off. So it's kind of like. Yeah, you know, you can't really say one way or the other again, because I don't know. But it is it is suspect that all these things keep happening to him. But he's living in the States. Like, he's a free man. Like, he's not like Edward Snowden who's on the run. He's like... You know, that's that's what I mean. That's why I don't... That's why I don't know if he's full of crap. Or if he... Like, is just not really a threat. So he he just... They just, you know... They kind of just pick and prod here and there. But they don't... They don't run him out of the country. I also think it's possible... That he's kind of given himself a dead man switch a, a little bit here, because he basically said if anything bad happens to me, that that comes across as like the remote bit suspicious, then then this basically proves that everything I've said is true. Now that is completely ass backwards in logic because it might prove absolutely nothing, but to you know to Joe everyman, that might that might be all the proof they need. Because they'll go, well, why the hell did they kill him? Why did they? Why did they force him to flee to to you know like South America? Like why? Why are all these things happening? And their their train of thought will then go to that conversation where he says, "Well, this is what it is," and that's when they get the little light bulb and go, "Eureka! It's because everything he said was true. Therefore, aliens."
1: This all kind of reminds me of that football player Manti Te'o, and how. He said he had a girlfriend, but he never did. So, like that one person everyone ever goes to high school with. It's like,
0: yeah, I, I got my girlfriend, you know. We we went out on a human date and did human romantic activities, and you're like, cool, where'd you meet this girlfriend? And they're like, Oh, at summer camp, you wouldn't know her, you know. Like, she lives in a different city. Like, there's always that one person that you go to high school with who does that. She's like super hot, I promise you that. And it's just like, oh, Right, because you're telling the truth.
1: Those are the young Bob Lazar's in the making.
0: <laughs> Pretty much, they just need to—they just need to make themselves look a little more like uh, knockoff Bill Gates, and then they're fine. They got the the uniform starter pack down. It's not uncommon for sites like this to attempt to maintain a level of secrecy, considering the initial tests held at Area 51 in the '50s took place during the Cold War, which, for the uninitiated, was a time where espionage, subterfuge, and a more covert form of warfare was king, then it makes complete sense that the governing bodies of the US military would strive for absolute secrecy when developing and testing the craft they would be using in said Cold War against their Soviet opponents. This is exactly what you were talking about before. Like with all the the harebrained operations that that the U.S. government tried to concoct during the Cold War. Like exploding cigars for for Fidel Castro or, you know, like super lethal cats to kill Fidel Castro.
1: I think they they tried to put guns in pens and then realized that it was only lethal like 30% of the time.
0: Well, I know, and I'm pretty sure this was on an episode of Deadliest Warrior. I could be mistaken, but it was literally like a briefcase gun where, like, the, the trigger was in the handle of the briefcase and, and the barrel, I think, just, like, kind of ever so slightly jutted out one of the sides. And you could literally just be walking and you'd you'd have to, like, angle it the right way and press the button and fire it, but, like, I I know it sounds cool because it sounds like something out of, like, James Bond or the Kingsman or something like that, but how impractical is that? You're better off just carrying a frigging gun...
1: Yeah, uh, it's, I guess, to to hide in plain sight.
0: Could you imagine walking around with a briefcase and it has like, you're just like, oh yeah, like your briefcase is smoking and it's because you just shot someone. But at the same point, you have to like lift it and I'm assuming it's somewhat heavy. So you have to be able to lift it and angle it with your wrist in such a way that you want to point it at the thing that you want to hit. And then you have to press the button and I'm assuming there's recoil. So you have to be prepared for that recoil. Like it just seems impractical. Like they they're probably better off just trying to engineer like a really small like snub nosed little pistol that can fit in like your shaving kit, you know what I mean?
1: Well, I I told you that story about that guy I know who was making uh, jackets for uh, with like the handcuff keys sewed in. The guy who trained with the Gurkhas. Yeah, the, well, the guy making the jacket didn't train with the Gurkhas, but yeah, the the guy. He never actually really trained with the Gurkhas. It was just <laughs> trying to use that as an example of how hardcore he is. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it doesn't seem practical to me, though. It seems stupid. Like, it's hard enough to aim a gun. Never mind, you're going to hold it with one hand and, I don't know, just swing it around.
0: Yeah, Idiot. seriously, you're almost better off using it as just a blunt object. Probably, yeah. Just upside the head with it, you know, instead of like... It's like those old-timey cameras that are on tripods and probably weighed like hundreds of pounds that take like 30 minutes to set up to shoot. And then if, if someone moves the wrong way during the shot, they're like, Oh, great. Now I gotta do it all over again. Sit still for the next 30 minutes. Like, it's, it just seems like something like that. Like, just be better with your technology. Come on. There are a number of bases similar to this around the world and all operate with a level of discretion and secrecy necessary to keep their activities open to those with an appropriate level of clearance, and away from prying eyes, and more importantly, the enemy. Let's face it, the fact is that many governments of the world likely have technology that's between 25 and 100 years more advanced than what we interact with on a day-to-day basis. This technology is likely kept behind a lock, and a lock, and another lock, and a biometric scan, and a fourth lock, and a secret passage, and yet another biometric scan, and another lock, and a complicated, convoluted handshake, and yet another lock, and will likely be trickled out to the public, over time, for the rest of our lives. It won't stop us from crazy speculation and conspiracy crafting especially when the government actively downplays and suppresses any and all information regarding alleged UFO activity. It goes without saying, but Area 51 sits at the center of all of this, and the legend will live on for many years to come. So, something that I didn't include in these documents, in this script, that I feel is worth mentioning, that kind of serves as one of the catalysts behind our conspiracy crafting is uh, i think it's something called like the white mailbox or something like that and it's in it's in the Nevada desert it's somewhere close to but not inside the perimeter of area 51's like guarded area and if you believe in the men in black if you've heard stories of the men in black oftentimes people will literally just drive their cars And park close to this mailbox and or like, you know, ATVs or whatever people like to drive on sand with. And they will see a car. Uh, I don't know if it's the same make and model every single time, but they'll see a car pull up to this mailbox. You'll see a couple of guys literally treated almost like a um, like a drive through you know, they won't get out of their cars... But they'll they'll open the mailbox... They'll take something out of it... Or they'll put something into it... And they'll drive off... They won't acknowledge the people who are filming them... Or just watching them... But... I've seen some of these videos... And they look... They look what you would... Like what you would expect for the men in black... Like just two dudes in, in black suits... White shirts... Sunglasses... Like the Blues Brothers... Except one of them isn't dead... So it's, it's really... You know... I can understand the need for secrecy and discretion, but why have something like that if you if you don't want people to constantly trespass and try and get to the bottom of this? Like, I I almost feel like the government's just messing with us at this point. And it's like, how many things can we just precariously put in certain areas
1: to make people go bananas? I think at the same time, you also got to wonder how smart is the government really and like are they too stupid to do anything else or they haven't considered anything else because i'm not discounting the theory that at some point in some guy's mind that was the solution like they brainstormed it for how long and then decided yep that's the way to go like crystal pepsi you know what i mean a group of people worked on something for for how long and decided it was going to be perfect and it just flops like that so i'm not discounting I'm not discounting that.
0: You can probably hear my cat. He's jumping around on us right now. We're actually gonna be upgrading our podcast facility for next week. So uh no more dealing with with jinglies from the cat. But that is true. I uh I definitely think that there's a certain amount of Like we have to we have to almost kind of like give the government the benefit of the doubt, but at the same time assume they're all dumb as like just dumb as hell. Because if we give them the benefit of the doubt and go, nah, it's okay, you're smart, you're a smart person, chances are, you know, like, we're going to just freak ourselves out. Especially if it's true. But if it's not true, then we're kind of like, we're, we're, we're overestimating the power, or not power, but the intelligence of those who, who govern us. But if it is true, and we choose to think of them as just you know, really, really stupid, then we're kind of almost living in, like, this blissful ignorance, I I guess would be the term. But, yeah, it's... I would like to get into the Men in Black at some point. I'd like to, like, look at the Men in Black because there's a lot of cases that we can, we can mull over and legitimate theories that are actually, you know, they're not extraterrestrial in nature, like, they have nothing to do with aliens, but for another time but seriously look into i think it's called like the white mailbox or the white box or something like that but it's in it's in the desert and it's literally just this like graffitied up mailbox that i guess certain officials have keys to and can go and like you know send hate mail to other government officials or something i don't know what do people send letters for nowadays like computers exist Area 51 has become a cultural staple of our modern era. There have been hundreds of references within pop culture, including, but not limited to, the episode of Futurama where Fry becomes his own grandfather. You heard it here folks, Fry actually did the nasty in the pasty and became his own grandfather. There are countless video game and board games, scary stories and creepypastas, as well as television episodes and films, all dedicated to, or inspired by, the Area-51 legend. A lot, if not the majority of these, are poorly done. Here's looking at you, Orin Pelly. Make a better Alien movie, please. But we're not here to judge a piece of media. This just showcases the cultural impact a simple testing facility can have on the world especially when the public promptly puts on their tinfoil hats and has a good old-fashioned conspiracy cookout. So I would love to, I would love to think that one day we will know exactly what's going on at Area 51, or at least we'll know definitively beyond a shadow of a doubt, yes or no, as to if aliens have ever interacted with our general populace. But then the cynic in me comes out and goes, why are you thinking like that? You're not very smart. And then it proverbially, no, that's not right. And then it metaphorically kicks me in the crotch.
1: I'm honestly surprised it's taken this long for someone to start working somehow at area 51. And then, well, someone to start working for the government, work themselves up to working at Area 51, and then release all the stuff that they know about it. Like, as if pl- that was their plan all along.
0: Well, it's kind of crazy the lengths that they go to. So, if I remember correctly, they actually... You can't just, like, drive to Area 51 if you work there. They actually fly you in on... Like, I forget what the jet's called. It's not, like, any airline company. It's, it's, it's a special jet... And and it, like, flies out of, like, a Las Vegas or some airport in Nevada. And it'll fly the employees to another facility, if not the facility itself. And then they take a bunch of buses into the actual, like, like area. So they go to extreme lengths to make sure that this is super close to the chest and under wraps. So I, I don't doubt... That when someone, you know, is ready to retire or something to that effect, they, you know, they take the appropriate measures to just pay you handsomely or something like that. to like almost almost like hush money, you know, like scientist number seven worked on this propulsion system that helped, you know, a a special aircraft go from like Mach one to Mach five or something like that. And they don't want it getting out. They don't want him going to, to China or to Russia or anywhere. And so they give him like $10 million just to keep his mouth shut for the rest of his life.
1: When I think of all the dumb things and the dumb slip ups that have happened uh, when it comes to you know the military or, or politicians who may or may not be involved with decisions around Area 51, it's hard to think of a time where you've ever heard of an Area 51 slip up. You hear about stuff like the NSA and Snowden and, you know, like local law enforcement and things like that. Like the, was it the NYPD where they had like black sites and things like that? Um,
0: oh, no, that was in Chicago.
1: Okay, it was Chicago.
0: <laughs> Coming back to Chicago.
1: Yeah, but uh, I, I I don't remember any slip-ups from area people, the people who work at Area 51. So it has to be the most well-oiled machine in the history of the United States military.
0: Yeah, I would argue that... Area 51, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, Dulce, New Mexico's, whatever facility it's called. And there are probably more. There are probably ones scattered pretty much across the whole country that probably work in conjunction with each other. They're probably operated by different like subsections of the military. Or they're all run by the same. I don't really know. Maybe it's a hive mind. Maybe like a giant brain exists, like, in one of, like, the subterranean vaults in the White House and just calls all the shots, I don't really know. I'm not a politician. I've never been to the White House. But, yeah, it, it is probably one of the best-kept secrets because, one, you know, it's almost kind of like when you when you take self-defense classes and stuff like that, they, they say to you, like, not self-defense. It's almost like when you're when you're a kid and you're going through those like stranger danger classes with your teacher, or your parents, whatever, and they go, "You have to treat everyone you don't know like they're a stranger. So if you don't recognize them, they're a stranger." And that's kind of what I would imagine that they're saying to each other, going like, "You have to treat everything like a threat, everything like a national security breach, or like it's, you know, it's imperative that this stays as close to the chest as possible because." It'll destroy America and the foundation of, of, you know, our establishment, whatever, whatever. And I think that's why they're so anal about it. Uh, yeah, I said anal. The the Kyles of the internet can laugh at me now. Um.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Closing remarks are probably... I believe aliens exist somewhere out there. The universe is a big place. I don't... I doubt that they've contacted us, to be honest with you, but just the way she goes. I don't know. Maybe we've we've had some alien tech land or interpreted an alien signal, but I, I really don't think the physical, living, breathing bodies of aliens have ever landed on Earth. I think that's uh, that's where I'm going to end my argument for that. I think that's where I stand. I heard you have a really great story for us.
0: I, I do. It's not so much a story, but it is it is interesting. But before I get into that, I I definitely agree. So we we spoke about this a little bit when we did Mothman. What was it like 9 weeks ago? 8 weeks ago. And I I stand by that that opinion where I definitely believe that you know aliens definitely exist unless we exist in like a simulation or something where we are artificially isolated from everything else then aliens just statistically, mathematically exist. It just makes the most sense. I definitely think that if they exist, they have never, like you said, like set foot on Earth, but would have rather and more likely have sent, you know, a radio transmission or something to that effect that either gets lost in the sauce or is interpreted and... You know, we're not able to, like, translate it or wh- whatever. So... As cool as it is to say that aliens probably exist, you know, the the realist in me comes out and says, chances are they don't exist in our galaxy. I mean, there is a possibility, but it's very small, given the size and scope of the universe. And how you know for for two advanced civilizations to exist in one galaxy in the universe is probably high but it's still closer to 0 than it is 1%. You know what I mean? But I do have a story. It's not so much a story, but it is it is something that's happened to me. So I don't know I don't know what it is. It could be just my brain messing with me. You know, our bodies are pieces of crap that produce pieces of crap. If we're if we're thinking literally, but it could be that I watch a lot of scary movies. I listen to a lot of scary stories. That's how I pass my time. I will literally go to bed listening to creepypastas. It's weird. You can call me weird. It's fine.
1: Wait, you go to bed listening? Oh, I'm imagining you with headphones in. And then rolling over and your ears being uncomfortable. But if you just play it out loud.
0: Oh yeah, no, like when I... When I can't sleep and I come and sleep out on my couch, like I'll listen to scary stories like through my TV. But... I want to say probably every like four to seven weeks, there will be two to three days, maybe not always uh, consecutively, but, you know, two to three days in that week where I will have a... Incredibly vivid and very like visceral nightmare, and it's very similar in every single instance. The only things that change are locations and the people that I'm with. So sometimes I'm by myself, sometimes I'm with a group of people. More recently, it's been by myself because I don't leave my apartment ever, but there is there's a there's this part of my apartment that basically there's a giant window there's like a door that goes onto my balcony and my couch is basically beside both of those things so if you're sitting on my couch you could arguably look out my window if the blinds aren't drawn same goes for the window that leads to my balcony where the door is so in most of these nightmares i should specify and say most of these nightmares over the past probably like 2 to 3 years I'll be sitting on my couch or laying down on my couch, you know, watching TV or something. And then it's almost like I, the way that I can describe it, and the way I've described it to people is it's almost like dubstep or like just like a bass, Like if you picture like a sub bass that slowly starts gaining intensity and it's 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 buzzing almost. And it's it's vibrating and pulsing pretty consistently, just like a vroom, 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 vroom. and it's getting louder To the point where, and like more intense to the point where you can feel it in your chest. And while that's happening, there's like colored lights outside my window. It's not the same every time. The ones that I can remember the most are usually green or like a very light blue. And, you know, like I'll obviously be like, what the hell is that? Because I'm used to the very like faint orange glows from the windows near my apartment. But it's not because it's green and or blue. And so I'll I'll get off my couch and go to the window, which is literally like three steps, if not less. And then flash of light. And then I'll wake up the next morning like the dream just ends. Now, you could chalk that up to me not remembering the remainder of the dream, because I know that they they say that, like, once you wake up, you forget 90 percent of your dream. But. Like, that's happened to me. So consistently that I can basically say it happens probably once a month, at least maybe a bit more. And it's always the same set of circumstances, although there have been times where like where I've been staying at like a friend's cottage, for example, and I've had one of those nightmares. But the only difference is, is it's the entire cottage interacting with this light versus just me. So, you know, there could be like 10 or 15 people. There've been times where, you know, I've been living in other cities or I've been visiting other cities and I've had dreams similar to that, but it reflects the environment that I'm in. The only thing that's ever changed is like this this um the setting, like where we are, and sometimes the people that I'm with. But more often than not it's be me by myself, but it's always consistently been that vibration and then the light. And the light's always been usually blue or green i want to say that there are probably other colors but i just don't remember them and so whenever i have those dreams one of the first things i'll say to just anyone who inquires is just like it was a dream about aliens so naturally i've been abducted by aliens and i doubt that that's the case just because i'm going to be rational
1: and why do you think the aliens are coming down just to fuck with you and flash some lights in your eyes while you're sleeping i don't i don't know what's May- the plan there
0: Maybe they're really just like, wow, Matt's getting his sleep schedule back on track. Psych! All the aliens of the world are just named Kyle. They just like messing with people. They're drinking their monster energy. They got their Oakley sunglasses, and they're just just messing with us. But yeah, that's my story. And I know a lot of people who, you know, through Twitter and Twitch and Instagram and other places where I interact with people... You know, some of my friends have said similar things. They've been like, well, yeah, I had a dream where I was abducted by aliens. And one of the first things out of my mouth or keyboard, I guess, would be. So you were abducted by aliens. And a lot of people, you know, they get all like nervous because obviously like they don't want to look like a crackpot. They'll just be like, oh, no. Oh, no, it's it's fine. No, 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 it's not. It's just a bad dream. And then in my head, I'm going. Sure, it is. Sure, it is. But realistically, it's yeah, it's just it's just your brain being an ass. It's it's your brain confusing itself with a different part of your body.
1: Man, I wish I could dream. I have zero dreams ever. And I'm just jealous because you have all these wicked dreams and I never dream anything ever.
0: That must be really terrifying. You're kind of just like, yeah, I'm just going to. You know, my mind is just going to like wisp out of existence for six to eight hours.
1: I have like. I don't know six dreams a year maybe like I don't know why I don't dream but I well I definitely do I just don't remember them but I don't remember any of them ever
0: huh I mean I know that that is a thing like there are people who like clinically have like zero dreams ever and then there are people who are able to remember 100% of their dreams and then there's kind of like the spectrum between those where like some people have one dream a year or they remember it they don't remember it like it's The human mind is a weird thing. It kind of makes
1: me jealous that aliens are coming down to f with you and they're, they don't care enough about me to, to interact with me or bother me.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, it must be terrifying though. You're just like, I'm just going to lay there and, you know, maybe you have like out of body experiences and you're, you just don't remember it. And that's, that's, it's not a dream because you're not dreaming. You're just like a ghost and you're just like chilling. You're like, well, I'm bored. I'm gonna go sit on the couch. And then you wake up the next morning, and you're just like, I feel like I went downstairs last night, but you you didn't. It was your like your soul.
1: Maybe it's like those those jingle bells. You know the Christmas jingle bells that if you don't believe in Santa, you can't hear them ringing. It's like I maybe I don't believe enough in alien abductions, so they aren't gonna bother abducting me.
0: There's actually, I don't know if it's considered a cryptid. Or if it's considered just kind of like this, like a being, but there are things called tulpas, where it's basically a physical being that manifests from intense, like forms of belief. So, if you watch, um, if you watch, like I think it's a uh, supernatural. There's actually an episode where like imaginary friends exist, but the thing is, is they're tulpas. I think I could be completely wrong. But I'm pretty sure they're Tulpas that literally, because the, the child imagination is so vivid and so powerful, it, like, wishes these beings into existence with the power of belief. And, and, you know... It sounds
1: like Bleach. Like the anime Bleach. Yeah, except, you know, this is actually good. Yeah, it's true. After season three, you just stop watching. But
0: there are a lot of documented instances where people are like, well... You know, like, they they, they, say, they say, like, if Slenderman is real, which, let's be real, like, no, get out of here. But there are people who say Slenderman is a Tulpa. And it's because the internet memed it so hard and believed so hard that that psychic energy just created Slenderman. And maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe you haven't gotten your, like, alien Tulpa because you just don't believe hard enough. In any event final thoughts on area 51 so obviously you guys know that there's a raid planned for friday this is going to come out on tuesday the 17th and friday the 20th is the alleged quote-unquote you can't see the quotes i'm making with my hands raid they can't stop all of us although they can and you know a lot of government officials spokespeople have come forward done interviews like cnn whatever and they've said okay yeah you're all full of crap it's just a testing range it's a facility to test aircraft and like you know train pilots and shoot guns and whatever advance our country well the states i personally believe that that is legitimate but I believe that it's on a scale that if you were to, like, gain unrestricted access to these facilities, like, it would blow your mind. And it doesn't have to be Area 51 specifically. But you could go you could go to, like, Wright-Patterson Air Force. You could go to that one in, in London or the UK. You could go to, like, Dulce, New Mexico. You could go to, there are probably some in, like, Mexico and, like, South America. You could go to ones in Russia, wherever. And if you get unrestricted access, you're going to see technology... That is, I want to say, at the minimum, 25 years ahead of the current curve. I guarantee it. I don't know what that technology is. There's probably, like, holographic, like, friggin' phone or, like, watch technology that's, like, integrated into, like, biometrics. And, like, they probably have all this crazy cool crap that is just hyper-advanced. And it's not from reverse engineering aircraft. It's just from, you know directing hundreds of billions if not trillions of dollars into these ventures but like i said it's more profitable to trickle it out slowly and monopolize it versus release it all at once and just let you know us you know the the pleb town
1: folk reap all the benefits yeah i'd buy it and i'd buy all the memes too from this friday i'm excited
0: yeah, I'm I'm hoping that one of the Kyle's comes out with an alien just just to flip me off if nothing else because I called them out and made fun of them for 90 minutes. So But yeah, I just I ugh. Good luck with that raid, folks. I mean You'll you'll be missed. Question mark. What resides within the walls of the Area 51 facility? Is the government simply testing new and exciting experimental aircraft that will change the face of war as we know it? Or are little green and or grey men waddling around, probing butts in exchange for technology that has advanced government research and testing by tens if not hundreds of years? There's only one way to know for sure. Kyles, to the front lines. Using your monster energy hats and Oakley sunglasses, you will assault the main gate. Rock throwers, provide suppressing fire while the Naruto runners sprint in from all directions. If need be, we call upon our reserve unit of Karens to waltz in and ask to speak to the facility manager. This should allow a select few to break in from formation and use the distraction as an opportunity to sneak in and steal us an alien. Some of you may die, but that is a risk I am willing to take. You have your orders, and may the great Celestial Smurf have mercy on your Smurfs. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are the Mystery Canucks. If you'd like to get in contact with us, follow us on Twitter at Canucks Mystery, or send us an email at mysterycanucks@gmail.com. At we publish a new episode wherever podcasts can be found every Tuesday. And remember, the world is full of mystery.